Our second reading is from the second letter of John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is his commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. The word of the Lord. Good morning, CCV. Good morning. Uh, my name is Matt Yee. Um, I'm here with my family, uh, my wife Stephanie, and my kids, Gabby, Thaddeus, and Emery. And um, uh, just a quick word um, before I begin and had some. Is this okay? Is, um, had some uh, conversations with some friends about some apprehensions, some fears, worries about, uh, again, starting another school year. Our, our kids are in public school, and, and, um, and just, just as a word for those of you who have some fears, some concerns with your children, your grandchildren, nephews, nieces, spiritual children, like Johnny was saying, um, can I encourage you the power of prayer? Uh, I think for me, I had some wayward years, some prodigal years in high school, college, and my parents couldn't do a thing but I'm alive today, and I'm not alive just physically, but spiritually because of my parents' prayers. They, it was out of their hands, and all they could do was fall on their knees. And so just want to encourage you all with that. To, if anyone's praying and you feel like you're, you're giving, hope, giving up hope on someone, don't give up. Hang in there. That God responds to prayers. Amen. And so just want to encourage you all, and, and along those lines of prayer, um, just want to share just a, a word of personal good news, um, and it's because of, I believe your prayers, your encouragements, um, I did find a job. Uh, I'm, I accepted him. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I should be clapping for you all for, for praying for me and, and really encouraging me. And so I'll actually be at a, a sister church, Truro Anglican Church, 
And so we'll be there as the director of outreach and um, really just uh, a real personal thank you to all of you. I uh, got to meet several of you um, and, and you all have encouraged me. As, and a special thank you to, to Dean and to Johnny. I, I think Johnny may have left, but um, really just inviting me and allowing me, giving me a chance when I think I was super bitter, super angry, and you guys were like, hey, do you want to preach? I was like, hmm, <laughs> are, you, are you sure? And, and yet, uh, because of uh, your trust in me, and more than that, your trust in the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and allowing me to be a part of this community has, has given me courage to re-enter ministry. So thank you for that. Um, this morning, we're going to jump into Second uh, John and... Um, let me just start with this encouragement this morning. If you have not read any of the Bible this week, this month, this whole year, guess what? Today, you read a whole book of the Bible. This morning, you read a whole... Turn to a neighbor, let them know, I read a whole book of the Bible. Turn to a neighbor, let them know. Yeah, Dean, when you asked for the second reading, I almost chose Obadiah. Um, which, if you don't know, is a one-chapter book in the Old Testament. And, and so that it has nothing to do with the message, but we could walk around bragging, I read two books of the Bible this morning, but decided not to do that. And, and so here in Second John, just I'll do a real quick kind of context to, to kind of locate where we're at. And, and here in verse 1, it says, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. And so the author of this letter refers to himself as the elder. And although the apostle John does not identify himself as the author, the near consensus among scholars, uh, all the experts, that the writing style and the word choice matches with the gospel of John, 1 John and 3 John. And you'll see that because, again, you all went through 1 John, and you'll see a lot of similar themes, similar wording. And this letter is addressed interestingly, to the elect lady and her children. So again, there's a little bit of debate here. Uh, some people argue, a few people argue that it's a specific family, to a specific mother and her children. Uh, a few will argue that it's to that specific family and the, the church that meets at her home. And, and most seem to comfortably land that this was written not just to a specific family, but to a whole church whether it be a house church or a larger church, but it was a church that John knew, and he was using code word, right? Like this phrase, elect lady and her children is a church and the members, right? It's like code word because maybe, again, if you were into spy movies or things like that, when you had to write things in code and it would be deciphered, right? And, and to me, what clues me in on that is at the end of the letter, verse 13, it says, the children of your elect sister greet you which is John saying, this other church is greeting you, right? This elect sister, and, and most people argue that it's the church in Ephesus, but regardless, regardless of who this is addressed to, I think the theme and the purpose behind it, uh, it will still resonate with all of us today. And it's a letter from John to people he cared deeply about. He cared deeply for this church. He wanted to see them. And the main thing he wanted for them was that for them to continue to walk in the truth. And that's the title of today's message, Walking in the Truth. Will you join with me in a short prayer? Oh, Lord, we humbly come today. Uh, Lord, we long to hear from you. 
Lord, we need to hear from you. There's a lot of quote-unquote truth out there. We want to hear your truth because your truth brings hope and life. It brings promise. Most of all, it reminds us of what you've already given us, your son, Jesus. And I pray that for all of us that we will be reminded that we have Jesus. And for those who, who don't yet know Jesus, Lord, may today be that day that they would come to know you, Lord. So, Lord, again, this is my prayer, Lord. If it's just my words, my thoughts, my ideas, Lord, just help us to forget it and just go to lunch. But really, if it's your word, God, would it, would it bring comfort to those who are afflicted? And in a loving and gracious way, would you afflict those who are comfortable? Again, I think that's what you do with the gospel in all of our lives. And so we ask this to be done for your glory and for our good. In his name we pray. Amen. So last week, um, my wife and I, we um, came to the end of ourselves as parents. Uh, we did not sign up for many camps and... Uh, it, uh, it crescendoed to last week, uh, my wife just, just declaring, next year, we are signing them up for camps all summer long. And, um, and that's not to throw under the bus because we, I, we rotate doing that. Um, but from that, I took the cue and I said, all right, kids, let's, let's go out. <laughs> so I took the kids out and uh, went to my favorite place, the place where we cannot spend money and there's free air conditioning. We went to the public library. And so we went to the library. And uh, when I go to the library, often I'll peruse like the Christian religion section and um, actually came across this book and, and just saw the title and was intrigued by it. And the title was Empty the Pews. And I was like, huh, interesting, caught my attention. So I started to read it. And it's basically a, a collection of essays written by people who at one point were in the church, in the Christian faith, but had left. And uh, really, again, in, in ways that were very eye-opening, interesting, um, painful. And I would say majority of them just made me sad. My heart was saddened to hear these stories. And I would venture to guess, uh, myself uh, for sure, there's been close friends that I've had in the church, in the faith, who have left the church, walked away from the faith. I would venture to guess almost all of us here know someone uh, in that category. And, and I think we have a compassion towards them. And, uh, and that's, I think, a good understanding of the tone of Second John. It's John is compassionate towards this church. And, and he knows that maybe even some of them are starting to leave the faith. It says in verse 4, some of your children are walking in the truth. And so, in fact, some people are walking away from the faith. People who maybe, again, this is a little bit of conjecture, but people who had maybe even seen Jesus physically, right, while he was alive on this planet, um, and they're walking away from the faith. And, and really, the message that that John wants to convey to the church, and I believe God wants to convey to all his people, is to persevere, to persevere, to keep walking in the faith. And that's the main point, I would say, today, this morning, the thrust of this passage is God desires for us to persevere in walking in the truth. 
God cares and longs for us to persevere in walking in the truth. And he gives two main ways to do it. One, love one another, and two, be careful of false teaching. So these are the two ways he wants us to walk in the truth. And so the first way is love one another. As, as Dean mentioned, again, this is a running theme uh, throughout the, the John letters. And so verse 4, love one another. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have heard from the, the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. As I was reading and rereading this passage over and over, and I was, I was you know, preparing this message, I found myself looking for something like insightful or deep, or something new, something that would be like, oh, that's so good, mm, that's so profound, that'll preach. And, and it's almost like the Holy Spirit sensed that desire in me, and spoke it to me, and maybe speaking it to you, in verse 5, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but the one we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And so if you're like me, if you're wanting to find something new or different in Scripture, or perhaps you feel like you've graduated from this. Yeah, 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 I know. Love one another. We've done that for many weeks now, Matt. Uh, if this feels repetitive, if you've heard this before, uh, again, especially as you just finished the series in First John, I would argue there's m most likely a reason you're, you need to hear it again. And it's not because the teaching team is con conspiring against you <laughs> to love your spouse. No, no. It's the Holy Spirit pressing on your heart because maybe there's someone you're struggling to love. And when I read this, I know exactly who it is for me. It's my, it's my father. It's my earthly father. And for some of you, I don't know who it is, but maybe that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Is Here's another love one another, and you know who it is. You don't have to say it. It's a message for you that maybe this is what God is trying to, again, slowly convince you of, to love that person as difficult as it may be. And it may be someone here in this community. And I think that's why John was addressing this letter to this church, to love one another. But then John goes on to unpack what it means to love one another. And this one's interesting because follow this. He says in verse 6, And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is a commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. In other words, he says, loving one another equals walking in the commandments, obeying the commandments. And I was like, that's kind of weird. It's a different definition of love one another than, than even in 1 John. But if you think about it, if you pause and think about it, it makes sense. Right? For example, I'll just real quick take the, the latter half of the Ten Commandments, right? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, lie, covet. You shall not. These are ways of loving others, right? In the church and outside the church by obeying the commandments. And this is not a legalistic obedience, right? We, we're, we're securing the gospel. We know the gospel secures us with our acceptance, our approval from God because of what Christ has done. We are secure in that relationship with God the Father. So this obedience is not one out of legalism or obligation, but rather it's obedience out of a love relationship. Uh, again, a couple months back, my wife, it was her birthday, 
so I asked her what she wanted to do, and she said she wanted to go on a family hike. Um, how do I put this? I'm, I'm more of an indoorsman, um, and so if you know, let's say, like, you know, biblically speaking, there's Esau and Jacob, right? Esau was a skilled hunter, outdoorsman, loved hiking, all those things, right? And it says Jacob dwelled in the tents. Love Jacob. Love Jacob, okay? So any other Jacobs, if you feel me, yes, Jacobs unite uh, back in your respective living rooms. And so, um, so I was like, okay, let's, let's go on a hike. And she's like, yeah, with our three kids. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And our dog, and our dog, which our dog needs to smell every square inch of this earth, okay? And so we go on this easy hike. It's labeled easy by the, the internet. And so we go on this hike, and, and truth be told, I did enjoy parts of the hike. I did. I really did. I enjoyed it. Um, even though my kids were like, Dad, are you okay? Like, you haven't said anything for an hour. <laughs> um, but I did enjoy it, and and the parts I especially enjoyed was when I saw my wife smile and laugh. And at the end, where she literally said, my heart is full. I was like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. And, and what I mean by that is th there was this quote-unquote obedience, and it was an obedience out of a love relationship. In other words, I have a covenant marriage with my wife. Our marriage is not dependent on hiking. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God it is not dependent on hiking. We are committed to each other. And because of that love, and I want to love her, I want to please her, I want to do the things she wants to do. That is this obedience. That is this walking in the commandments that God is talking about. It's not so you can get approval, except that you have it. And it's out of that you just wanting to please God out of that love relationship, out of the overflow of how much he's loved you. And so here, if you're walking in the truth of the gospel this morning, then your relationship with God is not dependent on your obedience, your performance, but rather the full and complete obedience of Jesus, his son. He did that in your place. He fulfilled the law for us, and now we are free to obey out of a love relationship. Again, if you don't believe me, John 14, and we, we had that, that reading as well. John 14 complements John, 2 John, so well. And here, John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the keeping of the commandments in 2 John is, is how we love one another. That's what he said in 2 John. But here in John 14, keeping the commandments is how we love God. It, it, in other words, keeping the commandments really, it keeps the bond of both horizontal or vertical and horizontal, right? And it, it allows us to, to live out the two greatest commandments, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. the two greatest commandments, right? And not only that, just as an encouragement, is, is he says, we'll send another helper to be with you. Like God says, I will give you the Holy Spirit to help you love me, to help you to live in the, in the commandments. And so just another encouragement for you all, that the Holy Spirit is helping us in all of this, to love one another. And, and which leads to the second part of walking in the truth is be careful of false teaching. Verse 7, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. 
Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in this wicked work. Wait a second, John. Didn't you just call for us to love one another? You just said for us to love one another. And now you're telling us not to receive someone? To not even greet them? This doesn't seem to make sense. And I'll share just real quick two points of clarification. One is John is not referring to all non-believing Christians or people outside the church. That's not what he's referring to. He is talking specifically about religious leaders, teachers, people who have influence and power, and they teach and promote incorrect false doctrine, like Gnosticism, right, which we covered again in the last series. John is calling for the church to be on the lookout for people who teach and lead and have influence and lead and mislead people and to make sure we don't have any association with these people, anyone who tries to teach false teaching. And this may seem harsh, right? It's just, it seems harsh. Like, don't even greet them. Don't have anything to do with them. But at least to my second clarification point is true and correct doctrine is important to God. It's that important. Walking in the truth. More than ever before in the history of the world, I would argue, because of the internet age, man, there's so many truths. Many truths. And we need to be mindful of what's out there. I know there are some Christians who have become obsessed with this endeavor. They're very good at pointing out the flaws in other people's doctrine and theology. In fact, that's, their, that's all they do, right? That's a, this is a cult. This is heresy. And they're very good at that. They're very good at pointing these things out. And, and they're incredibly critical of every Christian leader, pastor. And then they post all their findings on the internet, right? And these folks have a million microscopes for others. And they don't have a mirror for themselves. Not one mirror. And though this passage is telling us to be aware of others, and we need to, I would argue verse 8 tells us who we need to worry about. Makes it clear who we need to be mindful of first. Watch yourselves. Watch your heart. Be mindful of others, yes, but also watch yourselves. The false truth that we're subscribing to, that we're leaning into, that we are following, it warns us of that. And again, it's not just this passage, if you like Galatians 1, but even if we, here's Paul, but even if we, he's saying, watch out for me, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him or her be accursed. Over and over, Scripture warns us of those who teach and influence incorrect doctrine, those who may mislead people and lead them away from walking in the truth. You know, the last couple of weeks as I was preparing for this message, um, I'm thinking about this idea of walking in the truth and um, 
this one verse really just kept standing out to me for some reason. And so I reached out to Johnny, asked him if I could just share a little bit on this verse. And it's verse four. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And I was hung up on this verse. I kept rereading it. I was like, I don't know why it bothers me. I kept like trying to process it. And, and I think it's this phrase, some of your children. And John's rejoicing that some of them are walking in the truth. And it's great, but I believe you can kind of infer, maybe because I'm a pessimist, but I kind of infer something else from it, that some of the children, in other words, some in the church, were not walking in the truth. Right? I think that's, that's fair, right? That some were not walking in the truth. And, and just recently, just within my circles and spheres, I've heard two and waiting on a third cancer diagnosis, hearing, again, the news of the fires in Maui, uh, and then kind of weirdly, the last thing is Tim Keller's memorial service, kind of watched that online, and I just felt really convicted to share uh, something from my heart and, and something that helped me walk in the truth, and I asked Johnny, Johnny, can I share this one thing? And and um, gave me permission to. And, and, and really, it's an Ebenezer story for me. It's a story that I go over and over and, and, um, and I'm able to share it with others. And so I want to be clear, it's not a story about me. It's a story this other pastor shares. This pastor, his name is Louis Giglio. He's a pastor of a, a church in Atlanta. And he, he shares this story. So I'm going to share this story with you all um, and relay it to you. And it goes back to his college days. He was, I think, at Georgia State, and he was a communications major there. And, and uh, even though he was majoring in communications, like many of you who've gone to college, that you have these gen ed requirements, right? You have to take classes in other disciplines. And so he took this class in geography. So he takes this class in geography to fulfill that requirement. And in the geography class, there's a group project. Definition, group project. One person does all the work, four people sit around, right? And so he's doing this group project, and the group project is on Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier. Um, does anyone know where Mount Rainier is? Mount Rainier? Anyone? What state is it in? Geniuses, geniuses. Washington State. So, so it kind of gives you a little bit of a location. Here he's in Atlanta, Georgia, and, and it's in Mount Rainier, Washington State. And, and this this group project was on the topography of Mount Rainier. Topography, again, is like the altitude, all those things. And so Louis, for some reason, he gets really into this group project. He doesn't even care that he's carrying all the load, but he just gets deep into it. And he's so into it. He's learning everything about it. And then he's like <clears throat> going up to the TA and asking for maps so he can look at it in his dorm room at night, right? Like this is... This is pre-internet. Okay, this is what we did. Okay, we looked at topography maps. He's just laying there studying a topography map, and he's just eating it up. And, and then he's just enjoying it, like learning all. And for some reason, he just got really deep into it. And then the, the, like a week later, the professor gives out a pop quiz on Mount Rainier. And it's this moment of redemption, right? Because he's looking over at his group members. He's like, <laughs> and he gets it, right? He gets it. And he did all the work, so he just crushes it. You, you know that feeling, right, friends? You know that feeling when you have an exam or a test and you just crush it. You're like, do, 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 do. And he says, true story. He flipped it over. He said on the back, things about Mount Rainier you did not ask about. Do, 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 do. And he's just writing about it. And he finishes, obviously finishes first. And, you know, he's one of those like slam it on the, the professor's desk and you leave, right? And he crushed it. 
And so uh, fast forward a little bit, he graduates that summer, and he graduates, um, uh, and his best friend, I think his best friend's name was Johnny, uh, Johnny Mosier. And so the two of them, they planned this cross-country road trip. They convinced one of their parents to, to, to take the Toyota Corolla, and they're going to do this cross-country trip. And so Louis, the type A, he plans everything out. We're going to go this way, this route. We're going to stop by McDonald's. You're going to go bathroom. I'm going to go bathroom. You're going to get fries. I'm going to get nuggets. Eight minutes, and we're out, right? So he plans everything, right? He plans everything, and he secretly plans the trip to Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier's on the itinerary, right? And so he plans that out, but he's not telling Johnny. He's, Louis's not telling Johnny that he is a bona fide guru, right? And so they're driving there, they're going cross country, and they get closer to it. And, and even Louis's like playing it, like playing dumb. He's like, what, what is that? Like they get to Mount Rainier, what is that? And even Johnny's like, I think that's Mount Rainier. Like, <laughs> like, and he's just downplaying it like crazy. So they get there, they get to, um, I think this uh, kind of, area, this adjacent mountain to Mount Rainier. So there's Mount Rainier and this mountain next to it, right? And that's where you get these great views. And so they get there and they, they bypass all the touristy stuff, all the information panels. Why? Louis knows it all already. So he bypasses them all. And, and Louis says he and Johnny, they go to kind of this clearing or this meadow. Again, I don't know what a meadow is, but just imagine whatever a meadow is to you. And there's not a lot of people around. It's kind of a more remote location. And if you know anything about the Northwest, you know that it is like, like 80% of the time, it's gloomy, gray, cloudy. But on this day, it was a clear day. There was not a cloud in sight. And so they had this amazing view. It's just him and Johnny. And they're standing there, and Louis is a communication major, so he's like, I'm going to pause for effect, and then I'm going to drop this knowledge on Johnny, right? And so Louis is waiting, and he's waiting, and he pauses, and he senses something kind of welling up. It's starting to come up, and, and his chin starts to shake, right? And then his vision starts to get blurry, and then a tear drops, another tear, another tear, and now they're flowing. They're flowing. And now he's breathing heavy, right? <laughs> right? Like stuff is coming out. Stuff is coming out here too. Like everything's coming out, right? And it's one of those like heavy cries where, you know, you, do you know what I'm talking about? You try to collect yourself, <laughs> and, but you can't. The dam is broken and you just, <laughs> like you can't hold it in. And it's just coming out. Everything's coming out. And Louis says, if it was two women, it would just be this, oh, just link arms. Oh, you just had this sweet moment together. But brothers, brothers, we know the code. When one man is crying, you don't make eye contact. <laughs> so my imagination, my picture of this is just this, is Louis. <laughs> <laughs> and Louis just, he's losing it. And he continues to recount the story. He said at some point he pulled himself together, got back into the car in the passenger seat. About 15 minutes later, Johnny got into the driver's seat. They never talked about it and drove to Oregon. <laughs> so they get to Oregon, set up their campsite for the night, and uh, they eat their, I think they eat ramen or something, and uh, 
and they, their sleeping quarters is one person sleeps in the Corolla, one person sleeps in the one-man tent. And so Johnny sleeps in the car, and Louis in the tent, and Louis just laying there looking up at the top of the tent. And he just says, God, what was that? God, what just happened there? And he says he heard from God, and I would describe a thunderous whisper. And God's response to him was, today, Louis, today, you learned the difference between knowing a lot about something and knowing something. That he knew all this information about Mount Rainier. He knew all the precipitation points and all the, everything, all the details. He had seen the pictures. He had known all these things. But then when he came to the mountain himself and saw the majesty of it, he was just overwhelmed with awe of actually knowing Mount Rainier. CCV, I would argue the same thing about Jesus. Even this morning, friends, if I had, if I had, okay, if I had secretly brought a Jesus pop quiz this morning, and I know some of you would be like, really? Are you sure? Or let's do it. If I had a Jesus pop quiz this morning and I handed it out, many of you have been like, come on, flip it over, things about Jesus you didn't ask, and you would crush it, you would crush it. And my question, and I believe God's question to myself and to all of us here this morning is this, do you know a lot about Jesus or do you know Jesus? Because there is a massive difference. A massive difference. Do you know a lot about Jesus or do you know him? John 2 verse 1 says this, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love, and not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. I would argue with you that truth that will be with us forever is not knowledge. It's not data. It's something else. And I think John 14 helps us out. Jesus said, again, John 14, again, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. CCV, I would want all of us Like if I could write a letter to you like John did, I would love to say, I rejoice greatly to find not some, not most, but all of your children, all of the members of CCV walking in the truth, the truth himself. That is my hope. That is my desire for you because this is it. It's not just knowledge. It's important. Again, scripture is important. Scripture gets us to the truth himself the one who will abide in us and be with us forever. Will you join with me in prayer? And I want to give us a moment. and, And I remember hearing this message that Louis shares, uh, 
I remember driving and listening to it. I was listening to the sermon on CD. Do you remember CDs? And, and I actually had to pull over on the highway because I was just weeping. Because even though I was a Christian, I, and I had some relationship with Jesus, I, I realized a lot of my faith was just knowing a lot about Jesus as opposed to knowing Jesus. And, and I wanted that. And I just pulled over and my prayer was, Jesus, I want to know you. And this morning, if that's you, again, it's not going to be, uh, if you've been in churches or traditions where they ask you to come forward, I'm not going to do anything like that. But if that's you this morning, you don't want to just know a lot about Jesus, but you want to know Jesus, can I encourage you, will you go and talk with someone? Would you talk with someone, uh, one of the pastors, someone on the prayer team, or even the friend or someone who invited you here, would you tell them, I want to know this Jesus? I want to know the truth himself. Would you do that? Let me give us just another moment just to pause and to respond in our hearts. And if that's you, just pray that simple prayer. Jesus, I want to know you because you're the living, resurrected one. Jesus, I want to know you. We want to know you. I think Johnny talked about this a couple weeks back, and it's not just a head knowledge, or it's not mentally assenting to some principles. It's, it's about experience, about knowing you. And so, Lord, would you reveal yourself? Would you arise and, and make yourself known to us again? that we might know you and that we might walk in the truth of you and, and not just, again, ideas, but walking with you. That would be walking in truth. And so, Lord, that's my prayer for all of us here this morning, that we would be able to walk in truth. Help us, O oh God, again, for your glory, for your fame, and for our good and for our benefit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sinner condemned.